You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A very important Habs assistant coach is leaving. Who will take over? And another coach is on his way out too. Will someone take over for him? He had a minor procedure. Will it do the trick? We are 11 days away. And we're hearing they're still not sure. And if you had this guy in your dreams, and I'm not talking about me, you can forget about it. I'm Marinaro. It's brunching with Marinaro. It's the Sick Podcast Sunday edition. Joining me, Stu Cowan from the Montreal Gazette and hockey inside out turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with tony maradero the sickest montreal canadians podcast and now a 24th stanley cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in montreal the canadians win the stanley cup sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. Marinero, welcome. It's Brunching with Marinero. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. It's been a while. We took last week off. We are back. 30 plus degrees in downtown Montreal. Stu Cowan has his pool ready to go. Uh, but he's going to give us some time this morning before he actually jumps in. Stu, good morning. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm going to jump Very in good. right after this. Hey, I guess you don't need to turn the heater on today, huh? I don't need, I, luckily, my backyard's in the sun all day. I don't even need a heater, but the pool was at like 74 degrees or something yesterday, so it's perfect. Wow, that's pretty cool. All right, okay, we're back. I'm going to try not to keep you too long today, all right? Uh, because I know that we don't get too many of these days in Montreal, and your wife's going to kill you if you spend a lot of time <laughs> on the podcast today because she wants her stew in the pool with her. Uh, my wife's the best. She's understanding. She has, uh, you have to have an understanding wife with our jobs, Tony. Yeah, you tell me about it. A very important Habs assistant coach appears to be on the way out. Frank Saravalli reporting that Luke Richardson is to be named the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Stu, I had to keep checking and checking to checking to see if the uh, Blackhawks made it official. Uh, chances are you would think that they probably will tomorrow because you don't make announcements like this on the weekend. If I were a betting man, that's what I'd say. Uh, Stu, we all thought that he was deserving of a head coaching job. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to be honest. I mean, I knew he was, I wasn't sure that he was going to get a job because usually the national hockey league just recycles the same head coaches over and over and over. But I am absolutely thrilled for Luke Richardson to get this opportunity in Chicago. He's a fantastic man. He's just a great man, good coach, 
respected by everybody. I was speaking with one of the reporters in Chicago who covers the Blackhawks. He told me the press conference will be Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I think they're waiting until the Stanley Cup final is over. Uh, I think that's the main reason. Uh, also finishing up the contract. But I'm really happy for Luke, respected by every single player on the team. Um, if he spoke French, I think he would have been named head coach of the Canadians when they fired uh, Dominic Ducharme, at least on an interim basis. Uh, we know the job he did in the playoffs last year when uh, when Dominic Ducharme fell ill. But it's also a good situation. I mean, Luke Richardson is really good with young guys. He's really good with old. He's just he's cool hand Luke. He really is. Jeff Petrie has told me several times how much he respected Luke Richardson. And one of the reasons is he's not a guy who screams and yells at you at the ba- on the bench when you make a mistake. As Jeff said, you know, you make a mistake, you know it more than anybody. Yeah. Nothing worse than coming back at the bench and having a coach breathing down your neck. All positive with him on the bench. Shake it off. Don't worry about it. And then yeah. either in the intermission or the next day, go over it and film. Show what mistakes were made. Correct yeah. those mistakes. And Chicago's in a similar situation as the Canadians. They're a young, rebuilding team. And yeah. I think that's the kind of coach that they need. They need a coach who's going to be able to, to teach the youngsters, who's not going to freak out, who's going to have a calm approach, calm, cool approach, and also a good teacher. Lots of experience as a coach. I'm really happy for Luke because it wasn't going to happen for him here in Montreal yeah. because of the language issue. I'm surprised it took him this long to get a head coaching job. But I think for the Blackhawks, with all the mess they went through with the Kyle Beach situation and everything else this season, if you're looking to have a fresh start with a good man behind the bench, I don't think you can get a better pick than Luke Richardson. My God, they just went from an organization that did a lot of unethical things to probably hiring the most ethical guy in all of hockey. I mean, Luke Richardson is as straight as they come, and the players love him. Corey Perry was asked about him, and he said, you know what? What a respected man, what a competent man, and so happy for him. Remember Ben Sherratt, when he was here, uh, said at the time, you know, the players would go, they'll go through a wall for Luke Richardson. And I have to tell you, Stu, you know, it's a it's a common reflex when a head coach isn't there, if the assistant takes over, to think that there might be a little bit of a drop-off because, you know what, the coach could be a little bit rusty. Uh, maybe he might want to tweak something or two and stuff like that. Maybe he might not be as, maybe as fast with some of his decisions. But when Dominic Ducharme was out with COVID last year when the Canadians played the Vegas Golden Knights and Luke Richardson took over, with all due respect to Dominic Ducharme, and maybe it's it's got nothing to do with nothing, but not only did they not skip a beat, it's as good as they looked in the entire playoffs. They were unbelievable under Luke Richardson. As Ben Sherrod said, not only the defenseman, he said everybody on that team would skate through a wall for Luke Richardson and nothing personal against Dominic Ducharme. I don't know if that was the same feeling with Dominic Ducharme. I don't think Dominic Ducharme had the respect as a coach and as a person, thought that Dominic Charles was a bad person, just that Luke Richardson was so respected by everybody on that team. He you know, played 21 years in the NHL, solid defenseman, as tough as they came, as you're saying, just a, a, a real good man. And, and I had a one-on-one with Marty St. Louis after he had the job, and he said one of the things, he, he called Luke Richardson, they played one year together in Tampa, he said he's the ultimate teammate. And he said what he really liked about having him behind the bench, apart from the experience of running a bench, yeah. is that when you ask him a question, he's always honest with you. Even if it's the answer you don't want to hear, he'll always be honest with you. And that goes a long way with players, too. And as I said, I, I can't say enough about Luke Richardson as a, as a person and my uh, brief dealings with him. We don't get to deal one-on-one with the uh, Canadian's assistant coaches very often. But he impressed me every single time. And again, as I said, uh, I'm really happy for a good guy. I'm always happy when good things happen to good people. You're right about that. So now, you know, who's going to take over? My buddy Maxim Lapierre says, hey, he'd love to see Francis Bouillon um, get the opportunity. Talk about good people. Francis is great people, of course. He's in the Canadians organization. He's part of the whole player development team and stuff like that. 
your thoughts on him and let me know if you have any other names because I know I do. Well, you know what, Tony? I was trying to think of names and I think I think they have to have somebody with experience. I have one. Like, you know, Marty St. Louis has, what, 37 games of experience behind an NHL bench now. Letowski has one season. Um, you know, Burroughs has like a season and a half. I think they need somebody who has experience running an NHL bench. Um, you know, Luke Richardson wasn't a head coach in the NHL, but he was a head coach for four years in the AHL. He knows how to run a bench. Um, Marty St. Louis still learning that. He mentioned, he, he admitted that after his first game, how fast things were going behind the bench. He said, I realize now why there's four coaches behind the bench because everything moves so quickly. So as far as who's going to, who it's going to be, um, Maybe someone with a connection to Marty St. Louis from his playing days. That's usually but the way it works, right? That's usually the way it works. But I think I think Gordon and Hughes are going to want to have somebody back there. And I think St. Louis also. I think they need somebody with more experience running an NHL bench as a head coach. Somebody who was a head coach at some point, uh, whether in the AHL or the NHL, preferably the NHL. Um, so it's really – I'm, I'm really – I'm not sure to answer your question who it might be. All right. Okay. I have a name. You ready? Yeah. Alain Nezradine, who was relieved of his duties as assistant coach by the New Jersey Devils a couple of months ago, who was an assistant at the American Hockey League level for five years, was an assistant at the National Hockey League level for seven years, was even a head coach for like half a season from Montreal, Quebec, was a member of the Montreal Canadiens for a cup of coffee where he played eight games played about 74 games at the National Hockey League level, a journeyman, played most of his career in the AHL. How about Alain Nazruddin? That would make sense. I mean, I've thought also, like, J.F. Houle, the job he did this year, I don't think he'll get the job. Uh, but he's a guy who has experience running a bench, and we saw what he did this season. Unfortunately, he doesn't have that NHL experience. Nazruddin does, as you said, so that's a yeah. possibility. Um, you know, if they're looking former Canadians route, you know, Mark Recchi's a guy, but he's they're looking for somebody to work with the defense also, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Rod Ramage is with the team, former defenseman, but again, you know, the coaching experience. So I really, I, I really don't know at this point who I need to go back and look at who some of St. Louis' former teammates were and guys with coaching experience. A lot might depend on what coaching changes are made uh, after the season's over, uh, who else becomes available. Um you know, so at this point, I, I, I really don't know. Stu, I'm going to tell you this right now. If Nasruddin is one guy whose name they have circled on a piece of paper, they better get it done right away because I know he's been out of a job for like, you know, you know when they made the, I don't know if it was a month and a half ago or two months ago, whatever it was. But I'm going to tell you right now, this guy's not going to be out of a job much longer. And I'm willing to bet right now that if they don't hire him as an assistant coach, he'll be signed by another team in the next two or three weeks. I'd be willing to bet on that. Now, well, another came, another name, I mean, Tony. Just to interrupt. Another name I've seen on Twitter, people are throwing out is Larry Robinson. It's not going to happen. Not Larry's, Larry's coaching days are done. He can't do the travel anymore. He's not interested. He probably would be interested in being a consultant if the Canadians wanted to take that route. But he's not going to come back and be an assistant coach. Larry Robinson, I, I think, you know, he's ready to hang him up. Uh, what I would do is I would make Larry an ambassador. Who better to take over for Guy Lafleur, of course, who unfortunately left us, uh, than Larry Robinson. And you have a guy like Larry around, and you make Larry do what he did with St. Louis and what he did with San Jose prior to that, right? Mm -hmm. Travel uh, maybe once a month for about, spend four or five days with the team, come around the defenseman, take them for a cup of coffee, have a chat, maybe go on the ice for 30 minutes, go in the video room for about 30 minutes, 
just be able to pick Larry's brain, Larry be able to give them advice. I think it would be the best role for Larry, the role of a consultant slash ambassador. But I was thinking about something, Stu. When they hired Marty St. Louis, they, they, they really were thinking outside the box, right? They hired a guy who didn't have a lot of coaching experience, but a guy who had a really bright mind, a really great hockey mind, an open mind, a modern-day thinker, uh, a guy who wanted to instill certain concepts and maybe get away from certain systems, a guy that was going to give them some freedom to play. I'm wondering, knowing that a lot of the young defensemen, the Ghoulies, the Harrises, the Barons of this world, maybe even the Mayus going forward, some of these guys got some pretty good skills. I'm wondering if there's a Marty St. Louis out there who is a Marty St. Louis on the defensive side instead of on the offensive side. And once they get together and they write down a few names on that piece of paper, not only will they be looking for some kind of connection, somebody they've crossed paths with in the past, but they're probably going to be looking for someone with that kind of profile. Yeah. But again, I think they want someone with experience behind the bench. And now with Jeff Gordon, you got to look at also his connections from his days in Boston and New York. That might come into play also when he's looking uh, for whoever's going to be the assistant coach in, in charge of the defense. Um, now, just go back for a second when you're talking about Larry Robinson as, as a consultant. Just look at what he did in San Jose with Brent Burns, how yeah. Brent you know, as a consultant with him. So yeah. uh, to me, I think it would make sense for Canadians to bring Larry in as a as some kind of a consultant. But there, again, I think there's going to be some kind of connection there either between Marty St. Louis and his playing days or Gorton and his days in Boston, New York. They're going to want somebody they know, I think, coming in. And again, I, I think they're going to want somebody who has experience running an NHL bench. Yeah, I think it's the great Elliot Friedman who's reporting that another coach could be on his way out too. And it looks like Sean Burke, who was in charge of the goaltending department for the Montreal Canadiens with Eric Raymond underneath him as the goalie coach for Carey Price and Samuel Montembeau and Jake Allen. And the list goes on and on. It looks like he's on his way to Vegas to take on a similar role. His contract was up at the end of the year, so I think it's more a question of his contract's up. The Canadians probably weren't interested in bringing him back, and Vegas said, we'll take you on. Yeah, and I mean, Burke's role in Montreal was always really, what was he, what was it? No, he wasn't in Montreal much. He'd come in once in a while in Laval. He came in after they, they fired uh, a goalie coach in the middle of a game. when Burke fan wait, and they brought him in then to be a goalie coach, but his role was always sort of, I exactly what was it really? Yeah. Um, you know, so that's not a surprise that he's gone. Marty St. Louis said after the season, you know, he wasn't looking at any coaching changes, uh, didn't want to make any tr changes to his staff. But Eric Ramon, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if there might be a new goalie coach for next season because it's gonna, well, good. It's gonna have to be somebody who Jake Allen and, and a Terry Price, if he comes back, uh, want to work with and are comfortable working with. And Eric Ramon was a hire because of his connection to Dominic Ducharme. Um, so that's one position I wonder if there might be a change. Look, before too, starts. I've always thought that, you know, if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you have to have the best people at every position, right? And there's no salary cap on management yeah. team. And there's the no words that don't cap on yeah. coaches, right? One of the best in the game, if not the best right now. You know who that is? Well, he's a guy from the province of Quebec as well. He's French Jean of the Tampa Bay Lightning who's been working with Vasilevsky now. If you're working with Vasilevsky and you're living in Tampa, chances are you don't want to come to Montreal and work with, you know, the guys that you're going to work with at this stage of their careers with all due respect to them. OK, but if there's if Franz Jean would ever want to come home, uh, this guy is among the best, if not the best of the best in the National Hockey League for goalie coaches. And 
As far as Mark Bergevin relieving Stefan Waite of his duties, he told him, I can't wait any longer. Well, <laughs> when, Car when Carey Price was... Look what the sports end. radio is missing in Montreal. <laughs> I was the man. You know when it. They know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. <laughs> Carey Price spoke near the end of the season about goaltending coach, and he spoke very highly of Stefan Wade again, how comfortable he was working with them and how things yeah. flowed with him and how they knew they just fed off each other. And Bergevin firing him in the middle of the game, if you remember right, Carey Price was struggling back then. He let in yeah. a bad goal in that first period. And I think that firing Mark Bergevin, I've mentioned this on your podcast before, he yeah. let his emotions get the best of him too many times in his job as GM. Yeah. And he let his emotions get the best of him then. I think he wanted to shake up Carey Price yeah. and wake him up. And you figured, what better way to do that than firing your goalie coach in the middle of a, of a period and telling him to go get his stuff and get out of the Bell Center? Um, another case of Mark Bergevin's emotions getting the best of him. And uh, Carey Price obviously still thinks very highly of Stefan Waite, judging by his comments from the end of the season. All right, let's, let's get to the questions because you can send in your questions. By the way, if you love this podcast, and we hope you do, and by the way, you're going to love it much more going forward <laughs> because um, – uh, it's going to change a little bit and change for the better. All right, okay. Uh, why don't you comment sick, S-I-C-K, if you love it. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Not to mention that every time you actually type it, I get paid. All right, okay. Uh, throw some questions out there, and we'll get to them. Uh, Jeff Stahl, what about St. Louis' former teammate Dan Boyle as new assistant coach? Stu? Again, it's the experience thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I think they need somebody with experience behind that bench. We're running an NHL bench. Uh, Dan Boyle was a very good puck-moving defenseman, though. Yeah. And by the way, you remember that? Um, you remember that back and forth with? Uh, was it with Hurt? With it? Was it with Larry Brooks and Dan Boyle? You don't remember that? Yes, I think it was Larry Brooks. So. It was Larry Brooks and Dan Boyle when so. he told them. <laughs> yeah. No, was it La Larry Brooks or? I'm not sure if it was Larry Burks and, and Dave Femchuk, I think. Nobody called to get out of here or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we told him get out of here. Yeah. Nobody respects you. Yeah. At least I have the respect of my teammates, this, that, whatever. Get this guy and that Dave guy. Get him out of here. <laughs> Try and find it on YouTube. It's pretty funny. All right, okay. Back to the questions we go. Uh, Morris Richard, man, I have a newfound energy in me. I almost feel like coming back. With Suzuki and right down the middle, where would that rank in the league by – under 25 centers. I can only think of New Jersey having a stronger one-two with Hughes and Heashier. Yeah, right, right up there. I mean, it's also, you know, it's with right is he even gonna play next season or would they send him I send him back if they if they draft them? You know, is he gonna play with the games next season? Or are they gonna send them back to junior for another year? But uh, you know, you got two first round picks. Yeah. At center, both young guys, so they'd be they'd rank well, right up there. For sure. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, Stu. We're 11 days away from the NHL amateur draft, July 7th, which, by the way, we're going to have the sickest draft party that you can have right here, the sick podcast. All I'll tell you for now is Lakash is going to be involved, of course. More details to follow. We'll have all the details for you uh, by the end of next week, okay? So we are 11 days away, and Kent Hughes tells uh, Frank Saravalli, that, um, you know, that whoever they draft, it doesn't matter what's happened with the first pick overall in the last five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. They're going to take the absolute best choice for that player's development so that the player is great at 23 and 24 and 25 and not just good at 18. 
Well, uh, it almost sounds like if they would draft whoever they're going to draft, that that player might not play in the National Hockey League. And you know what? I don't think that player should, especially well, if that player is Shane Wright. Sending Nick Suzuki back to junior for another year certainly didn't hurt him. One playoff MVP. It's, exactly. So, I mean, uh, send them back, have them play another season of junior. Uh, show us why you were you should have been the number one pick. Yeah. Go to the World Juniors, uh, dominate down there. You got to remember he missed the full season last year, right, because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they send them back also. And just now we're talking about you know watching first-round picks. Uh, if they do have him and be in there, man, watching Tampa and seeing uh, Sergeyev and McDonough on the blue line. <laughs> Two former Habs first round picks, right? Yeah, so I chose some as I brush up on my, sure. my Francais. All right, okay, uh, more questions. Here we go. Renault, if Romanov or Romanov is offer sheeted at 4.1 million average and the Habs only receive a second round pick back, would a rival GM look at the CH cap situation and take a shot at signing Romanov? Um, it's hard to know exactly what their salary cap situation is going to be like until after free agency starts. Are they going to be able to trade Jeff Petrie? Is Carey Price going to come back or not come back? Yeah. So Kane's uh, salary cap situation is up in the air uh, for many reasons at this point. Speaking of um, Carey Price, Kent Hughes also told Frank Saravalli that uh, Carey Price had a minor procedure, not a surgery, but a minor procedure that they're hoping will do the trick. And uh, it's probably the PRP, right, that they were talking about, the plasma and stuff like that. I don't know. But anyway, will a minor procedure do the trick for Carey Price? You know, let's hope for him, yes. Uh, but you would probably think no, but let's hope for him, yes. Well, as much as much as Shea Weber doesn't want to play again because of his injuries, it's yeah. become obvious. I think Carey Price really wants to play. That was the impression I got when he spoke at the end of the season. I yeah. think he's going to do – I think, as he said, he doesn't want to be a burden at the end of his career. Yeah, and I don't think he wants to go out the way last season ended. I think he wants to come back and and try and complete his contract. And kudos to him for doing that. It'd be easy to walk away and take the money and go on LTIR and sit at home. But I honestly think I think Carey Price really wants to come back and play. I think he wants to prove that he still has something left in him that he can still be yeah. a top level goalie in the NHL. And he showed that in the Stanley playoffs last year. Um, but I, I think he I think he really wants to come back and play. I don't think he's looking to just say, okay, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to go back home and uh, join Shea Weber in Kelowna or wherever they are and, yeah. and, and pack it in. I think he want, he really wants to play. Speaking of coming back to play, if you dreamt of Patrice Bergeron, you can forget about it because reports out of Boston have Bergeron signing a one-year deal with the Boston Bruins in what you would think will be the final year of his National Hockey League career. I mean, that's what you would think, right? Because if he wanted to play longer, he'd obviously sign for a couple of years. But Bergeron, according to reports, set to sign a one-year deal. So if you had Patrice Bergeron in your dreams becoming a Montreal Canadian because of his connection with Kent Hughes, and Kent used to be his former agent, you can probably forget about that. Back to the questions we go. Well, former, former agent plus neighbor in Boston. They live right near each other. They're good friends. Their families are friends. But Bergeron... You know, he's a guy, I think his family's comfortable in Boston. He's comfortable in Boston. I think the Bruins would like to see him retire as a Bruin. And yeah. uh, it's not surprising that he would he would be close to signing uh, a one-year deal to wrap up his career there. I, I know how it feels. I'm not moving out of Villa Sal either. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm going to keep Stu for Aren't you the mayor of Villa Sal yet, Tony? What's going on there? You got to uh, be mayor. Yeah, no, probably not. I don't even think I'd win counselor in LaSalle, but I bet you if I'd run for counselor anywhere else than LaSalle, I'd win. But in LaSalle... I'm not so sure, uh, but who knows? 
Uh, right now, I'm busy with the sick podcast. Michael S says, "What are the Habs? The Habs? What are the odds? Pardon me. The Habs pick Slavkowski. Stu, they're 11 days away, and people close to the situation are saying where they may have been probably put it this way, based on what we're hearing, the Canadians probably." are less sure now that rights they're picked and they probably were three months ago. Uh, that's quite possible. I, I is gaining, you know. Yeah, I, I still, I mean, there's two ways they look at it, right? If, with Shane Wright, centerman, right? There's a, there's a premium on being a centerman. So I've got a, a winger. The other guy's a winger who can maybe play with Caulfield and Suzuki. But, you know, again, just draft the best player available, whoever they think it is. I still yeah. think it's going to be Shane Wright. Uh, but we won't yeah. know until Kent Hughes steps up on the stage. Uh, so do I. Yeah, so do I, Stu. And, um, you know, Slavkowski, some think that he's still going to grow and he could actually probably hit about six foot seven. I don't know about you, but there aren't too many six foot seven wingers in the history of the National Hockey League that went on to have a great career. If you're a defenseman and uh, you know what? You have the size of a Victor Hedman slash Zdeno Chara or a hybrid between the two. There's a chance you could have a pretty amazing career. But as a winger, uh, I'm not so sure. All right. And it's still it's still like whoever they, they draft. It's it's a crapshoot. I mean, remember fail for nail for nail. Yeah. yeah. That didn't work out so well. It's these kids are 18 yeah. years old. And, you know, what happens in the future? The thing with Shane Wright, here's a kid, you know, 15 years old, granted exceptional status to play. He's all, you know, the. the 200 foot game yeah. smart player knows the game knows everything uh, just a, a smart intelligent talented hockey player so that's why i yeah. think he's he's going to be their guy but then we'll find out on july 7th yeah uh make a trade with the new jersey devils for the second pick overall this way you can draft right and slavkowski yeah. and then no one can come back and say anything because if they don't pan out those are the two guys that everyone yeah. would have taken anyway all right uh back to the questions mark c sick i still think Having a legitimate NHL point producer like Dadonov on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield for half a season will be good. Do you think they trade him before the season or at the uh, or at the deadline? Listen, um, unless somebody comes, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hoffmans, the Drewings, the Dadonovs of this world are traded at the deadline because yeah. that's when you probably can get the most because you'll have paid most of their salary by then. Teams will be on the hook for less of it. And um, I think that's probably where you end up getting the most value, not to mention you can, you can, you know, you can have some kind of an auction with the other teams and stuff like that. And if they do put that in off with the two young guys, Caulfield and Suzuki, and it goes really well, then you have two options, right? Either yeah. this guy, this, this really works. Let's keep this guy or his value is now skyrocketing and let's deal him. So it's uh, it could be a win-win situation for the Canadians in that, uh, in that case. Back to the questions we go. Uh, would Mr. Molson be comfortable in holding half of defenseman Petrie's salary and exchanging him to New Jersey for the second overall pick? Of course you do that. Jeff Petrie is going to be 35 years old in December. If if I trade him to New Jersey and I pay half his salary and they give me the second pick, I'd be more than happy to do that. You're going to have to yeah, do a lot more than that. Yeah, New Jersey's not going to make that trade, I don't think. But uh, I, yeah. I think the Canes will be able to trade Jeff Feature without having to eat any of his contract. Yeah, you're probably going to have to do that and uh, throw in some cookies as well. There you go. Look at those, <laughs> huh? I Bo. think Bo. around the league. Yeah, Events MTL. Thank you for that. It was uh, personally delivered this morning. Uh, great for my diet. All right, okay, where are we going? 
Uh, Rico, Zilla. Hey, Tony and Stu, I was wondering which three prospects are you guys most excited to see at the development camp? Thank you. Well, the main guy for me is Goulet. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, 100%. I want to, I mean, he almost made the, the team last year. Um, Jordan Harrison, we saw a little bit of him uh, uh, this season, but to see him at the full camp. And Barron, because we got just a quick glance at Barron, and then he got injured and went down. So, you know, these young defensemen are the future of this team, and those are the guys I'm looking forward to seeing. Hard to argue with that, Stu. There's a player that has a lot of natural ability, and whether or not he's going to be able to take that ability and be able to use it at the next level, which is going to be the National Hockey League one day, is Sean Farrell. And he's a guy mm-hmm. that I suggest we keep, you know, you keep your yeah. eyes on. Not Sean Farrell, who used to work in sports media, by the yeah. way, but Sean Farrell, who plays hockey in the States. All right, okay. Well, Jordan, Jordan Harrison, Jordan Harris, it was three years ago, three or four years ago, his evaluation camp. Yes. And at the time, I didn't know who he was. You go to the evaluation camp, all these guys are out there. And this, I watched him. I went, man, who is this kid? Yeah. This kid is really good carrying the puck and they're scrimmaging. And I wrote a column on it. If you Google it, you'll find it. And he caught my eye back then just how how much better he was than all the other prospects on the ice at that evaluation camp. That's three or four years on now. So to watch my camp this year, I think Jordan Harris is going to be a really good defenseman in the NHL for a long time. Yeah, 20 years ago when I got my start, did Stu Cowan write a piece saying that Tony Marinero was going to be great? <laughs> no. but I did write a piece. I've written a couple pieces about you, Tony. One when you got roasted. I remember that was a fun yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, when you did, when you left, uh, when you were about to leave TSN 690. Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, okay. Let's, let's <laughs> go to the questions. No comment. Uh, Gab the man. Hello, Tony. Uh, two words I have not heard from Kent or Jeff so far. Size and grit. Will this administration take nine years to understand how crucial this is? Uh, Bergevin got it at the end of his tenure. I'm sure he gets it. Look, Kent Hughes is a very, very smart hockey guy. Jeff Gordon is a very smart hockey guy. It's funny because the knock on Gordon was that his Rangers didn't have enough grit. But look, they're watching the playoffs like everyone else is. And, and they know that every team needs balance. Having said that, Stu, I think the one most important thing, more than anything, more than anything else, is you need to be fast and you need to play fast. And that's what Marty St. Louis wants from his team. Then other than that, adding some physical players, playing with some grit, adding some character guys, yes, of course, that, you know, that completes everything. But being fast and playing fast, Stu, look at Colorado. Man, I get tired watching them play, and I'm watching from my sofa. But playing, playing fast and playing aggressive and 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 playing tough, which isn't fight. Like I watched Steven Stamkos in these playoffs. Yeah, has anybody blocked more shots than him? Like I need to look. He's at a stats. great captain. He's a great. He is captain. unbelievable what this guy does. You watch what Tampa Bay does. Every single player gives everything they have every shift. That's why. That's that's why they win. And. When Marty St. Louis took over last season, the Canadians went from a team who gave up as soon as things went bad. They're down 2 nothing. Up, oh, game over. Remember Montembeau got ran was against New Jersey yeah. uh, when they were losing. Up, oh, yeah. let's not do anything. That changed pretty quick when Marty St. Louis took over. This was a team that didn't give up anymore. This yeah. is a team that – and it goes back to what we were saying earlier. We're talking about players would skate through a wall for Luke Richardson. Maybe not so much for Dominic Ducharme. I think the Canadian Spurs will skate through a wall for Marty St. Louis. The Lightning players will do it for John Cooper. That goes a long way. That's how you win. That's why Tampa Bay just won't go down, right? Yeah. You think they're down to nothing. Oh, it's over. They're down three. Oh, it's over. They never give up. They never, ever, ever give up. And the Canadians started down that path last season. Laval Rocket 
same yeah. thing this season in the playoffs. They were looked like they were down and out. They fought back. So that's play fast, uh, you know, play quick, but just that never give up attitude and that willingness to block shots and do all the other things. And you know, yeah. Steven Sampos, one of the best players in the NHL, does everything on the ice. Yeah, doesn't once, just score. It's, it's it's fun to watch. Once again, if you want to send a message, if you love the podcast, comment sick s i c k. And this way we can feel the love. You know, Stu, I know it's not a popular thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans probably have a dislike for the Tampa Bay Lightning because they were, quote unquote, over the cap last year in the playoffs and the Lightning beat the Montreal Canadiens. I'm not going to lie to you. I love the Tampa Bay Lightning. I just I just find it hard not to cheer for them. I love Julian yep. Brisebois. I love Matthew Darsh. I actually love John Cooper. I yep. love Francis Jean. I love mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos. I love Braden Point. I love Nikita Kucherov. I love Victor Hedman. I love Andre Vasilevsky. I love Anthony Sorelli. I love Alex Kalorn. West Island boy. Yes. I, I love Sergachev. I love the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you know what? If Colorado wins, I'll be happy for them because so many players, I mean, they'll win their first cup, right? And Tampa yeah. Bay's got two in the last two years. But if Tampa Bay comes back and wins game six again and game seven, you know what? Like, I'm going to be okay. Like, I, I think it's amazing. I, even if they lose, I think they're a dynasty. I personally, like, I don't have a favorite team, don't you? But I'd like to see Tampa win again. I just, I, I like for the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. They're a really solid organization. They remind me of what the Canadians used to be: smartest GM in the league, smartest coach in the league. I think. Yeah. Uh, players who do everything. They're just a really an owner who's passionate about the team. Yeah. I mean, you look at the mess that Tampa franchise used to be in. The new owner yeah. comes in. They build that area around the arena, which is gorgeous. The Riverwalk. I mean, they're just a really well-run, smart organization. As I mentioned, yeah. Luke Richardson. I like to see good things happen to good people. Julian Brees yeah. was a good person. There's I a think- lot of good people in that Tampa team. But having said that. Yeah. Watching Colorado, I mean, how much fun was that game the other night? My That's one God. of the best hockey games I've seen. Wow. Was just, I'm hoping it goes to game seven just so we get to watch two more games, no matter who wins. This is just fantastic, fantastic hockey. And how these guys do this every second night for two months. It's unbelievable. Absolutely remarkable how they physically are able to do that. Kale McCarr, I haven't seen a defenseman skate like that since the great Paul Coffey. My God, this guy is, the way he's going, he's going to end up being one of the greatest defensemen in the history of the National Hockey League. The way he skates and the skill that he has, Passando, Daniel, will you? Bobby Orr was one of my heroes as a kid. Oof. And I, I, I'm old enough to remember watching Bobby Orr play. Yeah. And and, and Kale McCarr reminds me of Bobby Orr. And even Wayne Gretzky said that recently. He's just, yeah. the way he skates, the way he rushes, the way he never gets tired. He's up, yeah. he's back, he's down, he's... And, and he's only going to get better at his age. I mean, what yeah. a no! We're talking about with the draft, number four overall pick. Colorado lost the draft that lottery that year and ended up with Kale McCarr. As I said, it's a crapshoot. Kale McCarr is probably the best player come out of that draft. And as again, what a what a series this has been to watch. I mean, oh, from watching Steven Stamkos blocking shots to watching uh, you know the goalie. It's just been a, a Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and and Arturi Lekkinen. I mean, Arturi Lekkinen is a I'm great fit it. on that team. What a great fit on that Colorado team, a team with all the skill in the world to throw a little grit and a little hard work in there with Lekkinen. and he's been a really good fit too. So, I mean, if, if Colorado wins, I'd be happy to see Lekkinen get the cup. If, you know, if Stu, Tampa wins, Corey Perry, I'd be happy to see Corey Perry get a cup. But I, right now, I'm just hoping it goes to game yeah. seven so we get to watch two more games. I know Arturi uh, in the past has been on the opposite end of some jokes because uh, sometimes he had like 8 million scoring chances and he couldn't yeah. buy a goal. But Arturi Lekkinen has always been a just a good solid, reliable, responsible player, a coach's dream, a player that doesn't hurt you. 
And now he's surrounded by a team that has more talent and has more ability to put the puck in the net. So if he doesn't put the puck in the net, it doesn't matter because there's so many other guys that are, unfortunately, when he played for the Canadians, there were a lot of guys that couldn't put the puck in the net. So when he was yeah. getting chances and he didn't do it, a lot of the blame went on him and a lot of pressure yeah. went on him. And it shouldn't be his job because he's not that kind of player, but he's just an all-round good player. And he creates so many scoring opportunities just with his – he's so tenacious yeah. and so aggressive on the forecheck. And, man, Colorado's using him on the power play. They got him out there in the bumper spot in the power play, and he's a good guy yeah. to have in that position because – one of the things I admire most about Terry Lekkinen, you see him in the locker room, he's not a big guy. Like, he's not yeah, he's not physically, he's not ripped with muscle or nothing. You know, Paul Byron's a little guy, but he's ripped. Brandon Galley's a little guy, but he's... <laughs> Lekkinen's just a little skinny guy, but he's fearless. And I'm watching him on the power play in that uh, bumper position, and he plays it well. He plays it really well. <laughs> you know where these are? They're under my desk, and they're always there. <laughs> No, for, for like, you know, like again, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's, <laughs> there's so much to like about this series. <laughs> you know why I have this in my podcast room? You know why I have this in my podcast room? Why? Just in case there's a mouse while I'm doing the show. <laughs> it's a true story. I swear to you, it's a true story. <laughs> I was I was doing a show at one point, and uh, and uh, it wasn't podcast. It was radio. And while I was doing it, a mouse just ran right by me. Oh, my God. I thought I was, like, in the Boston Gardens, too. I was, like, I didn't know how I kept it together. And ever since then, I went out. I got a hockey stick. And if, if a mouse comes near my way, I'm telling you. I'm just uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, I told you I'd keep you for 30 minutes. So we're on 37 minutes here. Why don't we take one more text or two more texts? And that's it. Sure. I'm, I'm and no, no, no. I want you to jump in the pool. Pool's going to be there all day. <laughs> Stu, I want to go jump in the pool, okay? So I'm trying to make it look like you got to I want to go. All right. One or two more questions. Here we go. JP Couture, which of Subban, Fleury, Peron would you be most to least surprised to see the Habs sign come uh, free agency? Sick to the bone. Uh, Subban's not coming back here. I don't think so. Uh, even if he wants to, I don't think. Uh, with, as long as Jeff Molson's on the team, I don't think Subban's uh, coming back here. Fleury, if... Besides the fact that, you know, he's been an amazing hockey player, okay, because he has been. Uh, people can say whatever they want, and he's one of the guys mm -hmm. that lifted the roof at the Bell Center for, for many, many years, mm -hmm. right? I think he's fantastic on television. I really do. Oh, I think oh he's, he is. He's, he, he's, he's really good. He's fantastic. And that's going to be his future. But yeah. I think he probably still wants to play. I, I'd be interested to see if he signs in Toronto for a hometown discount, and that wouldn't shock me. If he wants to buy the sick podcast, we're selling for $100 million. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the, the price is going to go up, so it's 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 a bargain right now at 100. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right, okay, last one. Um, how serious are the Habs in trying to get the number one, number two draft picks to Montreal come draft time? Are they really going to go for it? I don't know. This is what I do know. This is what I do know. Um, the draft is going to be in Montreal, mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen every day. And the last time it did, unfortunately, it wasn't their most successful draft because with all due respect to Louis LeBlanc, there was some pressure to draft him, and they did. They're going to want to make a splash. They were the worst team in the National Hockey League last season. They want their fan base to get excited about something. And this is a, a draft year which is not unanimous. There's not hype around this draft like there will be in 2023. 
There's not hype around this draft the way there was in the Austin Matthews draft or the Ovechkin draft or the Crosby draft or the McDavid draft or the McKinnon draft, to name a few. So they're going to want to try and make as big a splash as possible. Why don't we end it on that, Stu? Well, I, I'm sure they'd love to do it, Tony, for the reasons you mentioned. For sure. Draft is here. And this team now, it's still a business, right? You're selling tickets moving forward. Yeah. They're selling the future. They're not selling the present with this team. And what better way to sell the future than you got the number one and the number two pick at home? You got Cole Caulfield, you got Nick Suzuki, you got Barry, and you got all those young defense and Goulet coming up. They were saying, what a way to sell your product moving forward. The number one, the number two pick. I don't know what the season ticket waiting list is like at the Canadians. Yeah. I know, I know it's got shortened quite a bit over the last few years. But I mean, if you want to sell ticket packages and you want to uh, yeah. excite the fan base going into a season where they're probably not going to make the playoffs and it's going to be rebuilding. What a great way to do it. Get the number one and the number two pick. Number one, the sick podcast. Follow Stu Cowan on Twitter at Stu Cowan one. There you have it. His handle comes up right now. If you're watching on video, because we are broadcasting live on Twitter and on Facebook at the sick podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel at the sick podcast. It's absolutely free. And you'll be notified when we upload an episode or when we go live. Have a great Sunday. It's a beautiful day. The sun is out. Stu has his pool ready, not heated, and ready to go. Great Sunday, everyone. Let's do it again. Have a great day, Tony, and everybody else out there. See you, Stu. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, intense by nature.